Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Steve Hart. Drop my drawers. Give me one of those, baby. Mike Costa. Hey, uh, save that, Brent. It's Loose Cannons time. <laughs> Loose Cannons underway on a Thursday. Hope you guys are having a good Thursday afternoon. Thanks for high enough. I always feel like I'm shorter than whoever. You know, the Colin scenario. That's the bro. Well, that's the Ornberger chair. That's oh, yeah. Pete Fox's voice, by the way. <laughs> In for Steve Hartman. Steve uh, getting the yearly physical. What? <clears throat> turning cough yeah. out of the way today. He'll be Wait. back with us uh, tomorrow. But Pistol Pete. Hey, let me ask you a question real chair. quick. You yes. ever play a sport? I know you played football, but you ever play like basketball or hockey where you got to get off to a hot start, you know, or the whole game is going to be garbage? Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like that was today. I mean, that was the best crosstalk ever, mainly because of me. Oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> 570-1360, if you want to help Pete clap, uh, you know, <laughs> slap himself on his own back. I usually get buried and overrun in those things. So I, nah. yeah. Well, you know, when, when Hartman's not here for the, the fusion, <laughs> right. it's there's a, a whole lot more space. It's a very fair It's given. like the hockey Take, rink's a lot bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Tempers don't flare. Oxygen isn't at a That's premium. a great point. That's a great point. Nice analysis, It happens Costa. once in a while. Hey, join us today, 570-1360. You can also tweet, us, uh, tweet at us, at PressBoxPete. It costs the 1360. Use our text line 70470. Use uh, uh, text extra first uh, on your message. We're going to have another pair of passes to give away the Canon Shot of the Day winner. One day admission to the Farmers Insurance Open out at Torrey Pines. Get it underway uh, next week. And we will also have a question for you later on in the show. Give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to go see the Aztecs take on Colorado State next Wednesday out at Viejas Arena. Speaking of the Aztecs, Oof. brutal, yeah, brutal loss last night. I stayed up, 8 o'clock tip, normally, you know, 9 o'clock past my bedtime. <laughs> wow. But I stayed up and watched this, and it was, it was one of those situations where I kept on thinking, okay, you kind of letting Fresno State hang around here, but let's go Aztecs, let's get on a run, let's blow them out of the gym, Let's notch this win and walk off the court victorious. Man, it just frustrating as all hell watching this game last night because it seemed that San Diego State really never got into any sort of a rhythm. And I think a lack of a little bit of a defensive effort, um, not being able to, to hit their free throws, I think they shot like 60, 67% or something like that. And the fact that Fresno State was just gashing them gashing the zone for San Diego State. Really, really frustrating loss. This is two in a row now for Brian Dutcher and the Red and Black uh, as they drop to three and three in, in the Mountain West Conference. And now you got a tough one against uh, New Mexico in the pit on on Saturday. It's just, it seems like the talent is there. The talent is absolutely there. But it just seems like something is missing. And I don't know if it's still a getting to know you phase with Brian Dutcher, but it's not as if Brian Dutcher yeah. is some guy who came from the East Coast in the offseason. You know, this thing should be as seamless as possible, 
But it just seems like, and a lot of people were saying on social media, like the it factor might be missing with the Aztecs. Yeah, when they shoot 48%, I mean, that's a good nine from the floor. Uh, Fresno State, State shot the same uh, percentage. So yeah. from that perspective, statistically, they were very even. I always look at a basketball game, and I, I am just a little bit frustrated when the team that I'm rooting for has a lead and they let it slip through their fingers. You know, Blew and that, a big lead. That's one of those things where how does that happen? Obviously, with uh, football season in full swing, we've seen it during the playoffs a couple of different times where a team's been ahead. And it's different where in football, if you're leading – you can slow things down, run the ball, burn up the clock. Yeah. Basketball's not the same way. You can't sit on a lead in basketball. You cannot. So you have to be aggressive, and that's what's frustrating about that. When when you're ahead and the aggression kind of diminishes a little bit and they fall apart and then they don't find it again down the stretch and they lose a tight one. You're right. They had that one, should have won that game. I have a friend that is an alum of Fresno State, played football there, and I was getting ready to text him about that one, but I – Fortunately, waited for the result. <laughs> Wait yeah. until it was over. <laughs> it was. It, it's really frustrating because, as I said, you you see what they have out on this court. They've got the leadership. They've got the youth. I mean, there's talent all around. But again, it seems like something is just a little off. And we're going to have some sound from Brian Dutcher uh, coming up here. In they the, need more uh, gassers. The second, just well, you know, cracking the whip. I, I, no, because it's the game was very winnable. But and, and I don't want to say it's it's mental errors. Okay, at the end of the game, they they called a timeout. Dutch drew up a play, and the Aztecs ex- executed it negatively. It was the wrong play to run. The ball got swatted. The Fresno State player got fouled. He hit the free throws, and it was a you know a foregone conclusion. Okay, you're going to lose this game. But it just seems like a lot of the times it's it's lack of defense. Maybe it, at times it appears a little lack of hustle. So I don't know if today was a come to Jesus meeting as far as basketball practice is concerned, but uh, as Dutch said in the post game show, hey, can't feel sorry for yourself. No one else is. You got a big one coming up here in a couple of days in New Mexico, so don't dwell on it. Let's just get back to work and and hopefully uh, get better. Well, yeah, we'll have some sound from Dutch coming up in the uh, in the second hour. Are you pumped for the AFC and NFC championship games? Are yes. You, are you kind of like ah? How come? Why can't we have the Saints? Why can't we have the Falcons? Why can't we have the Steelers? I I'm, I am not feeling that way. I think these are going to be two very exciting, very close football games. I don't think they're going to be terribly high scoring, but Hartman and I went back and forth on this on Monday. Did you hit him? He is a guy that believes that there needs to be star power. I don't care if the guy is popular and doing, you know, milk ads or not, as long as they are executing their plays. Yeah. If you watch that team and Blake Bortles is throwing for a pretty decent percentage, moving his team down the field and scoring that's fine. I don't need Blake Bortles to be hawking chicken nuggets to me. I don't care. He doesn't need to be a superstar for me to enjoy the game. So this whole theory that if it's not Tom Brady, we're not going to care. Like, really? It's still, as Willard pointed out, it's still going to be an exciting football game. It is The Super Bowl is a different deal. It's a different realm. The, occasionally in other sports, we get a dog matchup in the championship, and we're like, well, that wasn't great, you know? Mm. And I thought... We were joking about it on Monday, and I thought it had happened in hockey more recently. It turns out it's over 10 years ago when it was Carolina uh, versus Vancouver or somebody. You know, two matchups where the cities are not big metropolis. They're not your blue blood cities. They don't have heritage programs, uh, you know, from that particular sport. 
Uh, but it's been a while because we've had over the last few years, you know, Kings and Pittsburgh yeah. and, you know, a lot of big time names who, by the way, facing off today. That's why I sport in the colors Kings and Pens today. I love it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I don't need superstars for the game to be interesting. I want it to be good football. Back when Trent Dilfer led the Buffalo, not Buffalo, uh, Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens to a championship, that team was clearly defensively minded. Sure. And the offense was obviously going to be less than thrilling, stagnant, if you will. Well, and Dilfer really didn't do anything to hurt that team that year. Right. And that's kind of what you could say about Bortles and uh -huh. the Jags, right? Yeah. But I feel like that offense that, that Bortles has with the Jags, with Marquise Lee and the like, and Leonard Ford. And it's a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more exciting than what we saw from that Baltimore team. So I feel like... And they have the defense as well. Right. They have the capability of scoring. We saw that last week against Pittsburgh. They can clearly put up the numbers when they need to. I don't... You know, I, I when, you, when you get to this point of the year and then when you get to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, am, am I sitting there... Going, oh my God, this is this is not a marquee matchup. No, because I love the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I love the, I love this next this upcoming Sunday in the NFL calendar, and then the two weeks leading up to the game where people break break it down odd, you know, odd, yeah. ad nauseum. And which and, week is worse for you, the first or the second? Oh, the first week. Oh, okay, because once the team gets there and you get the media day and, and you get the guys talking or maybe what they're not saying about the game, <laughs> but the first week is just kind of like, okay, let's. I like let's the get first week here. better. The second week for me is too much. I'm like over it. By but then. I think let's it's get there. If you if we do get a Jags Eagles Jags Minnesota matchup, that's a win because that's that's a franchise who's going to experience their first Lombardi Trophy. And if you do get the New England Patriots, point, yeah. I think the hate factor uh -huh. is so large with that football team by everybody else who is not a Patriots fan, you're going to be tuning in to hopefully watch the New England Patriots crumble. So it's a win-win. But if I had my druthers, mm -hmm. I would love to see Jacksonville go on. And I do want to see the Minnesota Vikings host a, a Super Bowl in their own stadium. Although I think that that is going to be such a monumental two weeks of distractions for the Vikings. I don't necessarily know if it's the greatest thing for them. How would it be a distraction? Well, Just because they're in the other locker room? No, I think it's a distraction because you have... That question being asked over and over well, again? Well, the question being asked all over again, but at the same time, it's... All the family, all the friends. You know, when when you go, that's the Super Bowl. It though. is, but when you go away to the Super Bowl, uh -huh. you don't. You're you're not in familiar surroundings, so you're kind of forced a little bit to circle your wagons. Yeah, you've got the friends reaching out for tickets. How do I get my family down here? That type yeah. of thing. Couldn't but, you argue though that being home, it's more comfortable for them? That's why the NFL is putting the Vikings in the visiting locker room I, to kind of ruffle things up for them if they get there. It it might be from a comfort. I mean, from a I guess a fam familiarity angle, yeah, obviously you're going to the same practice facility, the same you know route to and from. I don't know if uh, if the Vikings make it, if the NFL is going to sequester them in a media hotel, how that's going to work, if they're going to allow the guys to stay at home. A couple nights, I'm sure that a couple nights before the game, they'll be in a team hotel. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to work for I think that's standard. I was, I was amazed when I first learned that, that universities – like, for example, when... Even for home games. Yeah, USC plays at the Coliseum. Their university is right there. Sometimes they'll still put them in a hotel. I'm like, yeah. why? Well, <laughs> in, in college, that's so you can keep tabs on everybody. Right. You know, so you yeah. can do a room check. Yeah. But you still have to do it in the NFL because, as we've known in Super Bowls yeah. past, guys go out, Barrett Robbins. 
uh, guys go look for prostitutes. Eugene Robinson. I was uh, as we were getting ready for the show today. You and I were talking with Ernie, and we came up with uh, some of the what they're considering the bigger mismatches. As far as this weekend is concerned in the AFC and the NFC Championship game, we'll start with the the Patriots and the Jaguars. And some people are considering the uh, the, the Jags' ability to coverage, cover from their linebackers, uh-huh. especially with Rob Gronkowski and the way the Pats running backs catch the ball out of the backfield, that this is a situation if those linebackers do not cover like a blanket, this is where Brady and company are going to do all their damage. I just feel like Rob Gronkowski is that mismatch for just about every team. I mean, that guy, what is he, 6'9"? He's huge. 6'6", 250. He is absolutely huge, and he he's just got those big mitts. Yep. And, you know, he's a guy that uh, – Hartman doesn't believe that that's star power, right? I think Gronkowski. He doesn't think Gronk is? No. It's oh, only oh, Brady for him. Only Brady. Brady's the only star around there. I'm like, no, time maybe out, time out, time out. second is Gronk, sure. But I'm like, no, Gronk's every bit. He's a guy that. If, if you go not, to any football fan in America and say Gronk, yeah, they, they know, know who exactly what you're talking about. I agree. Uh, but the thing is about Gronk, I am by no means a Patriots fan at all. I root against them every chance I get. But Gronk's a guy you could root for. Because he is dominant, he seems like a pretty lovable guy. He's a knucklehead. Right, exactly. But as far as a mismatch goes, and this obviously also makes it easy to root for him, Mm -hmm. he's better than everybody just about. He's always a mismatch. That's the guy you want on your team. So the good news for Jags fans about that is it's not a surprise. He's not one of those guys that you're going to be surprised is going to <laughs> you know be where Tom he is on Brady's the field. target. They have got him circled. They are gearing up to defend him. And on the, the converse, is, can they do it? If they can cover uh, seven of Tom Brady's eight uh, eight interceptions uh, this season have come on plays where he's holding the ball for longer than 2.6 seconds. <laughs> that's, so some, if, that's some good stat digging yeah, right there. So if you're on those guys and no one's open, especially with the pass rush of the Jaguars, there's a chance that Tom Brady is going down. Another mismatch they're saying from this uh, Pats-Jags game is the Patriots' pass rush against a guy like Blake Bortles. Now, throughout much of the season, everyone was saying, wow, the Patriots' defense really is is a mess. They can't get any pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. As, but as of late, yeah, they're getting to the quarterback. I mean, oh. they hammered oh, Marcus Mariota for uh, eight sacks. Eight, when they like took 80. Out, yeah, when they took out the Titans. And so a lot of people are pointing to the fact that the Patriots, just the pass rush alone is going to be enough to take Blake Bortles out of the game extremely improved and underrated, I think, which works to their benefit. So I would agree with that. Uh, uh, you know, I feel like the Jags offensive line has done a pretty good job so far, mm-hmm. but I, I, yeah, nobody expected to see what we've seen from that Patriots defensive line and their pass watch over the last few weeks. I mean, it's, it's well improved on what it was early in the season. So a lot of people have, denoted week five and on, it seems like it was a little bit more towards the middle of the season, but sure, they have improved a lot uh, because seeing them early in the season, their defense was terrible and it was ranked way down at the bottom of the league. So they've improved it uh, in a variety of ways, but a main part of that is the pass rush. And I know the Titans were, you know, mismatched 
across the board. But yeah, they still just <laughs> they got all over Marcus Mariota. Yeah, they they couldn't defend them at all. And it wasn't just one guy; it was a variety of different guys for that Patriots offense, a defensive line. They are much improved. <laughs> Here's one they listed: Are you buying or selling Tom Coughlin versus Bill Belichick? They're saying that's a mismatch in the Jags' favor just because Tom Coughlin was the architect of those two Giants teams whose defenses took it to Tom Brady in those two Super Bowls. <laughs> we should be getting this stuff two weeks before the Super Bowl, not right now. I do think it's definitely not a mismatch, but I think it's an interesting card up the sleeve for the Jags, and it's not even really up the sleeve anymore. Because a it's, lot of people say the Jags defense reminds them a heck of a lot of those uh -huh. giant Super Bowl teams. Right, and it seems like everyone's talking about that. It's not this... Hey, by the way, it's surprising to note that the Jags, whatever he is, general manager or VP of operations, I don't even know what his title is, but the Tom Coughlin factor, it's He's obviously VP of football, executive VP of football operations. Okay. Well, it's obviously a factor for them that he's involved, I think. I mean, you've got to have that guy up there to help the organization be more stable and run more smoothly. Now, the question becomes, do you feel like the Jags were building this team with Tom Coughlin in mind to beat the Patriots? Was that the goal? No, you know, picking up or Calais just Campbell the circumstance. like they did. I think it's just the circumstance. Yeah. They they drafted well on defense, and this has been a couple years process. I think getting Coughlin down there uh, to kind of maybe help them navigate whatever they were going through at the time, or maybe they did foresee if we get Tom back here, he did have a hand in those giant Super Bowl victories, obviously, right. offensively and defensively. Maybe that's an added bonus. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's put it this way. It hasn't hurt him. No, definitely not. Yeah. Having that experience around there, uh, it's kind of what the Knicks thought they were going to get when uh, Phil Jackson showed up. It didn't really work out for them. <laughs> but, you know, a lot. Most of the time it does. Yeah. When you have that guy, um, John Elway, in the front office for the Denver Broncos. Those kinds of dudes that have success in their dossier, you know, under mm -hmm. their under their arms, so to speak. They show up on your team. It's not a bad thing. This team did not come together and become what they are strictly by luck and chance. They had to have somebody there calling the shots, and that's Tom Coughlin. Uh, Greg Bishop, who's the senior writer at Sports Illustrated, uh, joined uh, Hardwick and Richards this morning, and they asked him, you know, they, the Jaguars are being very brash. You've got the uh, Jalen Ramsey saying, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to win this thing. Does that bother you? Well, it's it, listen. Is it really whiteboard material for the Patriots? Hey, these the, guys aren't respecting you. The Patriots are saying no, it's not, but they all know what the guy said. Anyhow, they asked him if the Jags are are going into this game with the right attitude. You know, it's kind of tough because I, on one hand, I like the fact that they're confident that they think they can come in and win. And this Patriots team hasn't looked invincible, so I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. Even though I think the Patriots will win. Uh, I do also think it can be dangerous sometimes to poke the bear that is Tom Brady. And I just think sometimes it's like, okay, well, do we really want to motivate the greatest quarterback of all time, potentially the greatest single NFL player of all time? Do we really need to give him any sort of extra motivation? So I guess I, I kind of side somewhere in the middle there. I think because the Jaguars are young, because uh, people have been sort of betting against them all season, because they'll be the big underdogs again on Sunday, I kind of like it more than I dislike it. But if Brady torches him and is pointing at Jalen Ramsey and is letting him know he hurt him this week, you know, then I think the, the strategy would have backfired. But it's probably better to try it than not try it at all. <laughs> I just find the notion that Tom Brady needs to be motivated interesting, right? 
So if let's say ever, the Patriots win, they win by 21 instead of 14. So then he's going to go and start talking trash. Look, they won the game regardless. Tom Brady is motivated, whether someone said something or the, if the whole team, you know, was doing a chorus line of trash talking oh, yeah. or nobody said anything. Tom Brady is motivated. I'm just upset that I'm seeing the line went from nine to seven. I don't like that at all because of, of Brady's right thumb. So the, and that'll be something to pay attention to in the next couple of days. All right, in Philadelphia, you obviously have the Eagles and Minnesota. And it's one funny, of the, you went from his right thumb with your left. Did I thumb. say this? <laughs> it's his right. Thumb. Remember, the one makes an L, right, for That's left. Right. In Philly, his right thumb. Eagles, Vikings, and they're saying one of the big mismatches is going to be Stephon Diggs versus Jalen Mills. And you think, well, come on, it's it's one on one. Stephon Diggs, yeah, the big walk off touchdown for the the Vikings, but. The Eagles' corner, Mills, has allowed a passer rating north of 90.0 during the regular season. He has given up an NFL high nine touchdowns in coverage. Oh. Now, wow. you know, clear. Am, am clear. I, am it's I, clear what's going to happen after those numbers. Well, okay, so you think about that, you figure, okay, Diggs has the over on Mills, but then Case Keenum's got to get him the football, and another big miss, mismatch, they say, is that uh, the Eagles' pass rush – with what Keenum was able to post as far as a passer rating, uh, a 5.1 passer rating when he was under pressure by the Saints last week. And they're thinking that the Eagles rush with Fletcher Cox and that group who had, God, 238 quarterback hurries, 81 hits on quarterbacks uh, this season, will pose a much bigger problem for Case Keenum. And, oh, by the way, Case Keenum's outside in the cold. He's not inside his dome. Those are all fair points. I just don't know the impact, you know. I feel like that's the really good statistical, you know, deciphering, digging up uh, things to look at, trends and whatnot. Yeah, those those will be a factor potentially. Are you saying you just got to go out and play the game? Yes, right. Yeah, all of those things point in one direction. Does that mean the other team can't win? No. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so it, and it always it seems like it always comes down to some fluke play right. that you never in your life imagine. Yeah, it's rare that afterwards you're like. Oh, my God, I can't believe that mismatch, right? Pretty much. Uh, he's the new quarterbacks coach in Cleveland. Has seen plenty in his days as an NFL offensive assistant. Kenny Zampezi is going to help us break down Championship Sunday after this. Tomorrow morning on Hardwick and Richards, ah, bold predictions will get you set for the AFC and NFC Championship game. Also in studio, 8 o'clock, Padres manager Andy Green taking your questions. We'll see you at 6 a.m. on Extra 1360 Fox Sports San Diego. Remember, Canishaw of the Day takes home a one-day, Canishaw of the Day winner takes home a one-day admission to the uh, Farmers Insurance Open. Torrey Pines Golf Course starting Wednesday, January 24th. Well, it's a big weekend in the NFL for franchises. Trying to book their ticket to Super Bowl 52, a guy who's coached in the Super Bowl, the pride of the University of San Diego High School, University of San Diego, longtime NFL coach, new quarterbacks coach of the Browns, Kenny Zampezi joins us now on Extra. Kenny, how you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing great. How you guys doing tonight? We're doing well, man. So, listen, are you guys going to stay at number one overall and draft a quarterback? What's going on? Yeah. Hey, we got a lot of options, don't we? <laughs> we can pick about anything that we want to pick, and that. The good thing is that there are some really, really nice options to choose from. There really are, Kenny. I, I knew you weren't going to answer the question. I'm going to ask it again. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, when you, you're, let's start with the, the Pats and, and the Jags. And from the outside looking in, most think it's a mismatch because you got, you've got Tom Brady, you've got the Patriots at home, the playoff experience. You see this, though, being a closer game than a lot of people think? 
Oh, gosh, I'm split on this thing. One half of my head thinks the Patriots are going to roll. They're at home. It's further along in the playoffs. The Jags haven't been there with this group before. Uh, and the experience of the Patriots. Uh-oh. Hugh Jackson got him. Blow dart. Did you talk about our draft wishes? Well, you know, and it just goes to show you people, if you got a guy like Kenny Zampezi, who's probably forgotten more football than you and I combined <laughs> yeah, will, no will ever know in their life. If they're, if they're going back and forth, if a guy like that is going back and forth and thinking, yeah, the Patriots are just going to blow these guys off the field. But then again, you look at the Jaguars, you look how young they are, you look how fast and good they are on, on defense. It, it might be a closer game. You know, Willard said Jaguars are going to win this one. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. Look, they're, these are the four best teams right now. They've gotten to this level for a reason. So, All right, Kenny, sorry about that. Oh, no problem. No problem. I, I was just talking about the Jags. For the Jags to win, they got to do what they did last week. They walked into Pittsburgh, and in the middle of that game, I thought to myself, this might be the changing of the guard of the tough guys of the AFC uh, with the Jags and their mentality. It's amazing what Coach Marone has done in one year's time with that crew. Uh, they, they have stockpiled the defense. Uh, I'm not sure what they're feeding the linemen up front, but it's a steady dose of gunpowder or something. Those guys come off the ball and they're mean and they're nasty. And that's the kind of game that can, uh, they can get to the Patriots. It, the only way you beat the Patriots is if you got pass rush. And that's what the Jags have. And if you can play keep away. And if they're able to run the ball on the Patriots consistently on into the third quarter, they got a chance. Kenny, it feels to me like uh, teams that are this far along in a season are obviously doing a lot of things right, and I'm assuming a part of that is game plan. So how important is game plan, let's say, compared to something like just good old-fashioned confidence? Uh, you're talking about the importance of the game plan. It's huge because, first of all, identifying the, the uh, weaknesses that you want to go after and then placing your personnel in such positions to take advantage of that. That is, that's what we do, and uh, both those teams have done very, very well with it. The Patriots have for years and years and years. You know, they're the kind of team. You remember when they played Philly in the uh, in the Super Bowl? They mm-hmm. played a three-four front all year long, and all of a sudden they're in an even front four-three. I mean, holy smokes! I, I mean, they they do a great job of game planning. Matchups are a big deal, and you'll see the same. I think the Jags just try to smash them and try to keep the uh, keep the time of possession in the Jags' favor keep the running game going, try to keep Tom Brady off the field. Uh, New Browns quarterback coach Kenny Zampezi with us here on Extra. Kenny, if you're Bill Belichick, how much do you think of the game plan is we're going to stop Leonard Fournette and make Blake Bortles beat us with his arm? Uh, a bunch of it. You'll see a bunch of single safety looks. You'll see line movements from uh, from them, uh, New England. That's what they, they had done to us in Cincinnati. We had, a, we had a real strong rushing attack, and they moved, stunned the line up front. They ran backers through gaps, timed up blitzes where backers were running through open gaps to uh, really distort the zone schemes of the offensive line. But they got to be careful now because Jaguars have the gap schemes as well. And if you pin down some of those blitzes, you can get an edge on them. So it'll be interesting to see, see how they go about doing it. Ken, when you look at this Eagles-Vikings matchup, two guys that used to be on the Rams, they're both basically career backups. Who do you think has the advantage? To me, it feels like Case Keenum's a little bit underappreciated or underrespected anyway, but Nick Foles is not far behind in that category. Who do you think has the advantage? Oh, Case Keenum, I think, just because uh, he's done it all year long at this high level. He is in the top 10 of quarterbacks this year in, in QBR and things like that. His, his numbers are ridiculous. 
Uh, Nepal just took over. The thing that they both have in their favor is they, they have a tremendous defenses, uh, which, you know, takes the pressure off that position. It, and they also, uh, Minnesota run the ball pretty good, but at least they stay at it, you know? You know, some games they hammer it good and some games they, they don't, but they stay at it. And they have those two backs in Minnesota and they just do a nice job. They don't turn the ball over. And how much fun is it to watch Case Keenum? He doesn't at any point in time, he could have got swapped out with Bridgewater. You remember those games where they're flashing the Bridgewater on the sideline? Mm-hmm. You know, that guy, <laughs> he was playing with his neck in the guillotine all year long, and he played his buns off. It, it was fabulous football. It was great to see. Uh, uh, Browns quarterbacks coach Kenny Zampiza with us here on Extra. Kenny, when you look at guys like Nick Foles and, and, and Case Keenum, have you seen anything in the playoffs so far where it might look like the moment is getting too big for them? Or are they still both just playing with house money? Oh, their house money. Their house money. No doubt about it. It'll get a little big. I just, I think Keenum's done it longer this year and has the momentum. I think it might get a little big, uh, maybe unfolds as the game unfolds and then the Minnesota pass rush gets going, especially if Minnesota gets a lead. Whichever team gets a lead is really going to put some pressure on the other side, quarterback. Ken, when, when you look at these uh, college quarterbacks that are coming into the draft this year, uh, I covered the Trojans for a lot uh, a lot of years, and I was on record saying I felt like Sam Darnold could use the extra year at the college level. And every time I'd bring that up, somebody would throw back into my face that the coaching at the next level was superior to what he's getting at USC. And I couldn't really argue with that. So it's an interesting question for you because you could be the guy that's coaching Sam Darnold. Darnold, I know it's not your decision, but when you look at Sam Darnold, wh- what are the things that you think he needs to improve on? Well, there's, there's a lot of time to talk about those guys later. I'm not sure we can talk about that, specifically him, but there's the guys in general and, and going back for another year, if you're going to be supposedly a, a top, top pick, it's a, it's, it's a wasted year to go back. There's no, there's, to me, there's no sense in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to help yourself draft stock-wise. And you're putting yourself at risk of uh, injury. So to me, it's a it's a bit of a, a greedy move to stay uh, when when you could come out and, and have everything that you you went to college for in the first place, probably. All right, Kenny. Before we let you go, just throw it against the wall. Who's your uh, Who's your Super Bowl Fifty Two matchup? Oh, it's uh, uh, New England uh, Minnesota. Oh, I can live with that. I can live with that as yeah. a Patriot hater. <laughs> yeah, until until New England gets beat, they're they're the team. Yeah. Hey, listen, say hi to mom and dad for me. Thanks for the time, buddy. You got it. Great Take care. You guys. All right, man. There's uh, Browns quarterbacks coach Kenny Zampezi. Sam Darnold's new coach. Who I nice to... deflection. I got to give him credit for that. He just, that was a bob and weave. He ducked and moved on that one. Like, I didn't even see it, right? Speaking of bobbing and weaving, we used to have to run seven-on-seven seven drills. And Kenny was a sophomore when I was a senior at uni. Uh-huh. And anytime I saw him line up in the slot, I was like, I'm screwed. I mean, he was an awesome receiver in high school and college, and he used to just make me look so stupid on a football field. <laughs> so let me ask you the question then. You've known him for a long time. Is he a better coach than T. Williams? <laughs> I'm sorry, T. Martin. <laughs> let me put it this way. Kenny has been around, and he, you know, he, he falls from the Mike March tree uh-huh. as well. And obviously his dad, Ernie Zampezi, one of the greatest offensive minds ever in the history of uh, the NFL, he's been around a lot of good quarterbacks. So whoever, if they stay at one and draft a quarterback. If they're if at they, one and four, and four, they're taking a quarterback. If they grab one at four as well, 
I think that quarterback is in good hands with uh, that's good. With Kenny Zampezi. That's one of those teams that you, even if you're not a Cleveland guy, you kind of have to root for them. They've been so bad for right. so long. All right, as we inch ever closer to Super Bowl 52, we continue to look back at the big games already played. We're going to revisit Super Bowl 38 coming up next. Hey, what's up? It's Rich coming up tomorrow right at noon on the Mark and Rich Show. Conference championship weekend in the NFL and a fantastic prize on the list. Your last chance. Tune in at noon on Extra 1360 Fox Sports San Diego. Hey, make sure you get to SportsSD.com, Loose Cannon's blog page. If you missed it, uh, the story uh, yesterday, I revealed that at one time, when I was younger, I needed the money, was starving. I was the uh, centerfold for the Foxy Lady magazine. That's right. You're That's right. kidding, right? No, no, no. I'm not kidding. Yeah. You ask my wife how grateful she is. <laughs> she married a former Foxy man, I guess is what they called us. You mean you didn't have enough to buy a cup of noodles? No, I, was, I was down on my luck, man. I was really down hey, on my what, luck. I mean, Anyhow, I'm not, they called, I posed. I'm more laughing at the name of the magazine, not that you were in the centerfold. Oh, okay. Foxy lady. Yeah. And there's dudes in it. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I was in it. So uh, (laughs) highest selling issue. Brent has the centerfold, right? (laughs) Did you make it into a poster? I I, I was just going to say Costa's, you know, he was, that was when he's in his Starsky and Hutch phase. (laughs) Thank you. Perfect. (laughs) I I can, I don't know which one is which, but it's the blonde one with the. It's on sportssd.com right now. Yes. Yes. That's Hutch. David's soul. Okay. No, this we, is we, not a prank. Like, I'm not going to go there and see like some uh, air bro. What's it called? You're going to get um, Rickroll. Photoshopped? Photoshopped. No, it's me. It's, it's real. Yeah, exactly. We had it blown up giant size and it, it's uh, glued to the ceiling of the master bedroom. That's how impressive it is. So I get to go to sleep Under every Lee's night. Site. Looking at my uh Looking at myself. Thanks again to Kenny Zampezi talking the AFC NFC Championship game with us. We'll have that interview for you up shortly in the podcast area at sportssd.com. The, the blonde surfer dude, that's you? Yeah. Pretty sweet, huh? Dude, you're handsome. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing my wife asked me every single night. Look at that kid. Holy cow. You look like a surfer dude. I do. I mean, I had a six pack. I had hair. I didn't have That's three, nothing to be ashamed of. I didn't have three chins. Well, there's a time in my life where Costa had it going on. I mean, I got I have it going on now. That magazine cost $12 in France? <laughs> I was big I in hope France. you got paid. Just like the late Jerry Lewis. Hope you had a lot of cup of noodles after that. <laughs> in France. All right, we continue to do uh, on our trek to Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota. We've been listening back to the good, great games that have already been played. Let's revisit Super Bowl 38. I think that the greatest Super Bowl the Patriots have ever played in was Super Bowl 38. Good evening, everyone, from Super Bowl 38. They said we weren't supposed to be here. What the f*** are we here? Second half, going to be even excited. Going to be more excited in the third half. It was a Super Bowl that started scoreless the longest, and then, boom, an explosion of points. Throws it up for Steve Smith, and he's got it! After a rough and physical first three quarters, the game's final 15 minutes were played at a much different pace. He was a track meet. One team going up, the other team going back. One team going up, the other team going back. 10, 5, Foster dives in the end zone. Touchdown, Panthers! Stallone is ready. He's got the ball and back to throw. Looks close in the end zone. Touchdown, Carolina! Ricky Kroll! 29 to 29. Of course, go figure. 
the Patriots had the ball last. On their last drive, the Patriots were kick-started by the Panthers. I'll never forget uh, John Casey kicking it out of bounds uh, before the Patriots game-winning drive. Oh, no. It was out of bounds. Oh, my goodness. John Casey can't believe what he just did. Probably one of the biggest mistakes in Super Bowl history. One kicker's mistake helped another atone for his. Super Bowl 38. First quarter, 31-yard kick, wide right. Adam looking for the first points of the game. Ball is down. Kick is up. Kick is no good. Later in the game, 36-yard kick, blocked. Kick is blocked, and the Panthers have stopped the Patriots again. That's the most pressure that you can ever ask for a kicker. When you had to have it, he got it. Kick up. Kick is on the way. You were on the edge of your seat. That was a great, great Super Bowl. People will be writing that this may have been the best Super Bowl of all time. So there you go. A game that started off as such a dud, even with Adam Vinatieri missing two field goals earlier in the game. The Panthers, I mean, it was it was a it ended up being a, a great Super Bowl. I don't know if it's gonna be the greatest Super Bowl ever played when it's all said and done. But the, the Panthers hung in this game. The problem mm-hmm. they had is they they scored too soon in that game to, uh, I want to say they think they tied it up before Vinatieri came on for the uh, the game-winning field goal. And then, of course, it's Tom Brady, dink, dink, dink. You Isn't know. that what it's all about, though, how the game ends? It doesn't really matter if it started off slow. I mean, I feel like that's pretty typical for the Super Bowl. Sure, we're all geared up. We're excited to watch this thing. We're going to a party. You know, we get there. We have a couple of beers, whatever, Mm -hmm. and then the game starts and you're like, you know, on the edge of your seat and then it kind of just, you know, they're they're clearly, you know, they're clearly feeling each other out and, you know, not necessarily throwing haymakers yet. And then by the second half, it's a completely different world. Well, and you're two games. Usually your Super Bowl ring nowhere on it. Does it say wasn't a very exciting game? (laughs) Exactly. Do you have more points when the game is over yeah. than the people <laughs> you're playing? This game was a dog, but in the end, yeah. we won. Does does Trent Dilfer's <laughs> Super Bowl ring say the defense really carried me this whole season? No, you are a Super Bowl champ. I will say, though, that Trent Dilfer probably has to remind people all the time that he won a Super was, Bowl. He was on that team. <laughs> Ray Lewis didn't play quarterback. <laughs> right. All right, let's get our first hour qualifier in for the cannon shot of the day. Brent, the drum roll, please. This hour's qualifier from a text line. I love how the team that keeps things under wraps all of a sudden is very open about Tom Brady's injuries. It's a trap. Ah, I wouldn't believe any of it. Interesting. Interesting. All right, we get you set for the top sports stories of the day, including the most important thumb in America. The 4 at 4 is next. 